you're a small business owner or starting a small business and have been looking for some guidance to manage that dinero for your business, keep on listening. You did it. You have found your judgment-free zone, the Her Dinero Matters podcast, a bilingual podcast for women who want to become reinas of their money and love their dinero more. I am your host, Jen Hemphill, a former extreme frugalist turned reina of your money advocate. Each week, I'm going to help you reign your money like that queen that you are with inspiring interviews and panel discussions from La Comunidad Latina and with solo episodes sharing simple, actionable tips and strategies. Thanks for spending some time with me today. And now let's jump into today's Dose of Money Confidence. Hola, ¿qué tal? How is it going, Reina? This is Jen Hempel, your host. I believe you know that already, but if you are new to listening to this podcast, welcome. Today, we have a fabulous guest, and today our focus is small business finances, and we have Sylvia Inks joining us. She is a business and financial coach who helps coaches, consultants, and creative experts master the money coming in and out of their small businesses. She is passionate about helping small business owners survive and thrive past the five-year mark. Her practical solutions help entrepreneurs save time, make money, and become profitable. Sylvia is the number one best-selling author of Small Business Finance for the Busy Entrepreneur, a blueprint for building a solid, profitable business. In this episode, you're going to hear the top four mistakes many small business owners make the breakdown of the system to manage your business money, and the importance of multiple income streams and when to consider adding another. Lista? Vamos a conocer this reina of her money. Bienvenida, Silvia. I am so thrilled to have you here. I know we've connected. We haven't met in person. Well, maybe we have. I've been gone. <laughs> but we haven't really thoroughly connected, but I know some fantastic things. I always hear fantastic things about you. So I'm just really excited to have you here with us today. Thank you so much, Jen. I'm so excited to be here. Well, let's start off. We just dive into your money story. Tell us a little bit about your upbringing. What did you see? What did you hear? What did you experience when it came to money? So my parents were first generation immigrants to the U.S., so I always heard the term from my dad, we're poor, but proud. We don't have a lot of money, but we cover the basics. My mom was also a stay-at-home mom. So she really talked a lot about just saving money. It was always saving money for a rainy day, using coupons. So she would take me on grocery trips with her. And it was always a stack of coupons. And it was we could only buy whatever we had a coupon for. So really, it really taught me really early on, like never pay more than what you should if you have a coupon, if you took the time to go through the coupon, you could get you know several dollars off of an item. Um, so it was good in a way, but then I also think it was bad. It actually taught me that okay, maybe you don't have to go for your first choice. If you have a um, if you have a coupon, it's better to go with your second choice because you made you know you got money off. It was good in a way, but then also I feel like we ended up wasting money sometimes because as a child it was oh well you can't get your favorite cereal box you can only get the one that we have a coupon for and so it was okay well you can only choose from these cereals so my brothers and I would go with our second or third choice because it, that was the coupon but then when we got at home we never liked it so we never actually finished the box of cereal so ended up wasting money as opposed to had my mom allowed us to buy our first choice we could have finished the entire box 
So that is interesting. Yeah. And it's an interesting perspective because you're right, you're out there focusing on saving money, which immediately you do, but afterwards, do you really? And that is interesting because I know I was at a point where it, it was that time where we were really focused on paying off that. So I was doing all the things that I can. And I started making my own uh, laundry detergent. But then I didn't really, did it save money? Maybe, but I, I don't know what it saved because I didn't calculate, okay, I've spent this much. And you know, if we are saving money and we don't do anything with that savings, it, it disappears. <laughs> so really, did I save money or I just spent more time in, in making this a laundry detergent? And what else? So she took you grocery shopping. She showed you how she used coupons. Did she have conversations or was it more your observations? It was definitely conversations. Like I helped her clip the coupons. It was, you know, we got the Sunday paper and it was, hey, go clip all the coupons for things that you want me to go buy at the store. So again, it was teaching me like you can only buy whatever you have coupons for. So I was very active in the clipping the coupons. So every Sunday I would literally go through and be like, oh, well, here's a here's a coupon for XYZ cereal, right? And so then I would clip it. And so I would put it in the folder for cereal. So when I went to the store with her, I was able to go pull out and she was like, okay, well, here's all the cereal coupons that, you know, that are, haven't expired. You can only buy cereal from here. So I was very active um, in that. And did you find yourself as an adult doing that? Or was that once you were independent, is that something that you stopped? When I was super busy, when I uh, worked in corporate America, I didn't have as much time for coupon clipping. It was, you know, hey, I could either go to sleep for an hour or I could clip coupons. And working in IT consulting, I was working 80 to 100 hours a week. So really clipping coupons for an hour didn't feel like it was worth it to me. Um, However, when I did leave uh, my corporate job and took some time off, I felt like, oh, we don't have my income coming in. I need to go back to clipping coupons. So I did. I ended up going clipping coupons, going to three or four different grocery stores, going to two or three different retail, you know, Walgreens and CVS. And then I started looking at my time and I was going, you know, basically shopping all day long and really ended up at the end of the day, like spent a whole day and saved maybe $10, right? For So for me, it really didn't feel like it was worth it. Um, I ended up feeling like, gosh, I spent all this time, you know, clipping coupons and I only got $10, you know, that I saved. And so I really started at that point, started thinking, um, that's when my creative juices started of, I've always wanted to start a business. So I was like, how can I, you know, start a business and make more money spending that hour doing something I love and earn more money as opposed to trying to clip coupons and save that money, but going to multiple stores and you know, spending gasoline everywhere. So right. So you mentioned a couple of things that I want to dive into. You were in corporate, you were as an IT consultant, but then you just you jumped into entrepreneurship to take us to that. What? Why did how did that come to be? Um, So I actually ended up having a pregnancy complication that um, pretty much almost cost me my life. Um, So I realized at that point I needed to take some time off. Um, It just really kind of shook me to the core. Um, So I took that time off and realized that I didn't want to go back to corporate America. Um, I wanted to start a family and I realized two traveling IT consultants working 80 to 100 hours a week wasn't going to be able to start a family together. Um, So I ended up, but then I also quickly realized during um, my company wanted me to take some time off. They didn't want me to quit right away. So they said, Hey, how about you take a leave of absence? Really think through, you know, do you really want to quit? So they did, they gave me three months off. And during that three months, I started seeing like, even though we were pretty good with our money, it was kind of scary to see all that 
uh, like see all the money going out, but no money coming in, right? So all of a sudden I start realizing, wow, I spent all this time working in corporate America, trading time for money. And then the minute I take three months off because of a health scare, all of a sudden I'm not bringing any money coming in. Um, and so I started realizing, you know what, there's things that my husband and I had planned for, for our future. And all of a sudden those came to a halt because I was no longer bringing money in um, because I was no longer going to my corporate job. Um, so that's really where I started realizing I really needed to start a business where I could build a legacy, build, you know, build systems and build services and products where I could have money coming in, even though I wasn't putting you know, those hours in. I love it. And you've been doing that and helping other business owners doing that. Well, I want to dive into that because for those listening right now that are considering a, a, a business, a small business, especially in the time, the times that we're living in at the time of this recording. And the, and the time that it's coming out, we're still going to be in these unprecedented times with the COVID-19. We still don't know the what exact impact it's going to have. We just know like things are going to change. So let's talk about small businesses and really what we, when we're thinking about a small business. So let's say we're in the times that we're living in, we have lost an income or we lost some sort of income. And we're looking to add to that income. And you, you start generating some income, whether whatever it is that you're doing, and you're doing well, but when do you know that it's safe to leave? Like you left your job, right? You left your job and pursued full-time entrepreneurship. So when did you know, because you had some savings, your, those savings were being drained while you were not working. So when did you know it was safe, financially safe to do so? Yeah, that's a great question. So I had always known I wanted to start a business. So I actually had a savings um, fund that I specifically wrote as the Sylvia fund. And I didn't know what kind of business it was going to be, but I started just saving a you know, few hundred dollars every month um, into that bucket because I knew that at some point I was going to start a business. So anytime I wanted to read a book about entrepreneurship, I would take money from that Sylvia fund. Um, so really, I knew that at some point I was going to start my business. So I would say anybody that's thinking about it, that's got that urge, that's like, hey, I need to at some point not rely 100% on my corporate job, I would say start a savings account, right? Start sweeping as much money as you're comfortable, you know, even if it's $50, maybe $100 here and there, um, and start building that fund up. That's my number one advice is just to have that. And, you know, seeing that build up will make you make someone realize, okay, there's there's $1,000 there, or there's, you know, a couple thousand dollars there. Okay, I can, you know, I have enough money that I could pay for XYZ to start my business. Um, but really, I think, you know, uh, business is hard, um, you know, so even if I see so many small business owners that I work with, even though they're great at their their service, right, they, they were great in corporate America, they've got a great knowledge, but all of a sudden they think that that's going to translate to instant success in, as a small business owner. And it just isn't so, right? Like there's a lot of skills that you need to have to be a successful entrepreneur. So I really would encourage people to not quit their day job until they can successfully have enough money from their their small business to generate and ha and be able to replace their current income. Makes perfect sense. So would you, because there's the terms of side hustle and then entrepreneurship and small business, how do you differentiate those? How would you? I mean, I have a differentiation, but I want to hear from you. How would you differentiate the side hustle from the small business, because you can create a good, really good income with a side hustle, right? So what are, what would you say are the dif differentiators? I finally got that word out. Okay. 
side hustle, when I think of that, I think of that as being you're doing anything possible to bring money in, right? It's not, there's no cohesive theme. You're just kind of whatever you see a need, um, you're, you're taking on some odd jobs here and there. I could call that a side hustle. As a small business, I see that as you've got the great knowledge or a great product um, or service that you can provide and you've got you've got this need to impact those the people that you serve. I you know, and you've got a mission. Like you you realize that you want to create a, some sort of legacy where you're going to be consistently impacting the people that you're serving. I call that a small business. It's like your passion, but it's your passion where you're making money off of it. But you can start off with a side hustle that can become a small business, right? Because I've seen definitely people do that. So let's talk about mistakes that small business owners make that really are can become expensive, that can cost them some money. What would you say are the top ones? Ooh, the very, very first mistake that I see small business owners make is commingling their personal and business money. So even if it's a side hustle, always, always, always open a separate checking account for that business. Because otherwise, I've, I see p- people when they put it all in one pot, right? Like it's in their family checking account. All of a sudden, they don't realize sometimes that they're overspending. Their business is overspending money um, that was earmarked for the, for the family. Um, I had one client who um, told me that she it started off as a side hustle. It ended up growing to be very, very successful. But she didn't realize that she was spending um, the family's vacation money, their future vacation money, or her daughter's ballet lessons. And she didn't realize um, because all of a sudden there was an online course or a conference that was uh, that showed up. And she was like, oh, well, let me take advantage of that. And she would buy, but she was buying out of the, the personal fund and all of a sudden realized, oops, that was the family vacation that we were supposed to save that up for three months from now. Um, so definitely, 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 please just everybody make sure that they open a separate business checking account. Before we continue, I have a quick message for you. Her Dinero Matters is brought to you by First Republic Bank. The world is changing and your needs are evolving. As your focus turns to what matters most to you and your community, First Republic remains committed to offering personalized financial solutions that fit your needs. From day one, you'll be connected with a dedicated banker who will serve as your primary point of contact throughout your relationship with the bank. They'll be there to listen to you, understand your values, and meet you on your financial journey. Your banker can offer solutions that support your goals at any stage, from setting up a personal checking account to refinancing household debt to buying a first home. As your needs evolve, you can call or email your banker at any time for the support you need because First Republic believes what matters to you matters most. Learn more at firstrepublic.com. That's firstrepublic.com. Member of FDIC, equal housing lender. And what others? Uh, Second one is just not even having an emergency fund for your business. A lot of times people tell me, oh, well, my emergency fund, um, I have one for my personal life, but they don't have one for the business. And they say, oh, well, my, if anything happens to my business, I'll just take money for my personal life. And again, you know, just huge mistakes. You know, I would say if you want to be successful, differentiate and make those lines up front and have your business have its own checking account and its own savings account. And in terms of an emergency fund, because I completely agree with these things that you're saying up to now, how much do you feel as business owners? Is it, does it follow the same guidelines as what 
financial experts say three to six months, even though things are probably going to change <laughs> that advice. What would you advise for business owners in terms of what should they have in an emergency fund? Yes. If you don't have an emergency fund for your business, I would say shoot for one month, right? Like just start small and just at least get to one month. So you have some breathing room. So that you're not panicking and trying, you know, if something happens, like you've lost a big sale, especially a lot of folks have lost a lot of their customers during the COVID, you know, that way you still have money to pay all your bills and keep your business running. Um, but three months would be ideal. So it's, you know, ideal minimum having three months. So working your way up to three months. Um, and then I would say if you have a retail business where you're paying rent, um, you know, if you're paying $2,000 of rent, you know, to rent a space in downtown of your city, six months would be the minimum, I would say, because especially when you know a lot of businesses had to close, they weren't in control of how much sales was coming in, but yet they're they're still having to pay that rent each month. Makes sense. No, absolutely. Any other mistakes that you feel are like the really the top mistakes? Oh, there's um, several. Another one is just not having tax money automatically taken out. Um, so you know, if you think about it in your personal job with your corporate, you know, if you're working a corporate job, your paycheck already has all the taxes taken out. So when you're a business owner, you need to make sure you do the same exact thing for yourself. So when money's coming in that you have another, you have that money sweeped aside and also, you know, put aside in a, you know, another savings account for tax money so that whenever the taxes are due. Before we jump into today's content, keep your ears peeled for a unique reveal I'll be sharing midway through the show. It's something special just for you. Whether it's monthly, if you have you owe sales tax or quarterly or yearly, that you've got that money sitting there. Because um, I've had a lot of small business owners tell me that they, when those quarterly tax bills come due, that they accidentally spent all that money. Because again, it was it's all if it's all sitting in one checking account for the business, it's just easy to be like, oh, I've got money, I could go spend it on this. And all of a sudden, it's then you get the tax bill, and then all of a sudden, it's like okay, scrambling and figuring out how to pay that tax bill. Right, and I realize that you we we need to. Uh, consult with an expert on this, but do you have any guidelines? How do you determine how much to set aside? Uh, so if you're selling a product, so if you, um, then you have to pay sales tax, right? You're collecting sales tax. So then you owe your state sales tax. In most cases, there's some states that don't have sales tax. So automatically right there, you should be able to sweep off, right? Like that's a pretty easy calculation based off of your state. Um, but in terms of like, um, Income tax for the business, definitely you want to talk to your CPA to figure out what your tax rate is. But I would say general rule of thumb, it's I've always heard it's like 35 to 40% of income, uh, of profit, right? So not of the sales, but of the profit. I love that you said that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, especially because you're still you're having to pay for self employment tax, you're having to pay all the taxes that you know, normally a company would pay. And, and in this case, as a business owner, you are the company. Right? Makes sense. I love that. And I'm like that you mentioned that you have to consider it's the profit. That's what you're paying uh, the taxes on. And I think you had another one. Yes, I have another one. Gosh, this one's so many business owners when they are, especially when they're starting out, they feel like they need to lower their prices because they're trying to get as much business as quickly as possible. But if you think about it, when you're going and applying for a new job, you're never asking for a lower salary than what you like currently were paid at, right? In most instances, most people feel like, hey, I've I have X amount of experience. I'm going to X, ask for X amount, you know, as my minimum salary. But I feel I see that so many small business owners they second guess themselves, and all of a sudden, you know, because they're they're wanting to make the sale, they'll discount their prices. You know, it's like it's almost like they're discounting before the person has a chance to say yes, right? Um, and really undercutting that. And really, I just feel like that really takes away from business owners. It takes away from their credibility. 
Um, a lot of times they try, they may try to undercut competition thinking, okay, well, if I lower my prices, people are going to come to me. Right. But then the people that you tend to attract are the people that are super price conscious. Like they're never going to stay with you long term. If, you know, when you realize later that you've undercut your prices so much that you're not making a profit, when you have to raise your pri- your prices, those are the first customers that are going to tend to go or the ones that you kind of gave away your services for free almost. It makes sense. Those are some some awesome tips. Now, let's talk about systematizing the management of your business finances. So I know there's a book that I always recommend called Profit First, where basically, essentially, you're taking your money and you're distributing in these different buckets that serve different purposes, one to pay yourself, one to run, you know, operate the business and all these other things. Uh, and it's a, with his system, it's a ton of accounts because it's really is taking in mind not just the beginner business, like not the, just the startup, but really the ones that have been in the game where they're able, you know, where they're generating that revenue that can go to these different buckets. What are your recommendations or maybe what you do in terms of, because I'm big on the system because I've always say the budget is the plan, but you need to put that budget into action. And that action is really the system right? So how do you recommend for people to create a system? What does that look like? Yes. So similar, um, again, you mentioned the profit first. I um, definitely, I see that they advocate a lot of accounts. And so for me, I always tell my clients and readers at least three accounts, ideally four. Uh, The first one is your, for your operating expenses. So any money that anybody pays you, your clients pay you, customers pay you should always go funnel into this first account, which is your operating expenses. And then from there, you would have a second account for um, your savings, for your uh, for your sa- sales tax and your taxes that you owe. So again, you would sweep that money over. Anytime that you're collecting sales tax or when you're estimating your taxes that you owe, you would take that from your account, your operating expense account and sweep that over into that tax bucket. The third account is the emergency fund that we talked about. So again, building that up. If you don't have an emergency fund yet, just figure out an amount that you're comfortable with, you know, sweeping aside on a weekly basis or a monthly basis to build up to that one to three months in that um, third account. And then lastly, the fourth account, this is the one that um, I always see as a game changer for my clients is creating a fourth savings account that's for long term savings fund. So for your yearly expenses. So a lot of times people have those, you know, $1,000 bills that are pre- insurance premiums that come out or maybe for their tax you know, tax CPA um, prep fees, or, you know, their LLC annual fees, all those kind of big expenses that people tend to forget, because they only pay for it once a month, but it could add up to several 1000s of dollars. Um, I always tell people total in that budget, uh, in my budget plan that I always have people do figure out what that total yearly expenses are, divide by 12. And that's the monthly amount that you need to sweep over from your operating expense account to this long term savings account, which is your fourth account, so that you have cash the minute that those bills are due, you have it sitting right there. I'm a big proponent of that, especially it's like the, what people call the sinking funds. But while I'm like sinking funds, I just call it the non-monthly expenses. I just call it for what it is. And I've been, I'm a big proponent of really setting money aside every single month for those purposes. So I love that you mentioned that. Now you mentioned different accounts. So let's talk about for a moment, business accounts and just regular checking. So when do you decide, yes, I am, because business accounts can have the fees, the a higher minimum of threshold of what you need to have maintained in there. So when do you move your, your money to a business account? And should these other accounts 
Can they just be regular savings accounts? Or what do you recommend? So I, I'm a big proponent, if you know that you're going to be building a business, to just go ahead and start it as a business checking account. There's different protections for personal accounts versus business accounts. And you know, to your point exactly, there's some banks that will require you know, higher minimums um, or they've got maintenance fees. So I always recommend for small business owners to always check their community banks. Their like local community banks tend to be a lot more friendly to small business owners than say the big, you know, the Bank of America's or the Wells Fargo of the world. The community regional banks have a lot more, they're a lot more invested to helping small business owners grow. So their fees tend to either be really, really low. Um, like mine is First Horizon Bank and it's $5 a month um, for the checking account. It used to be free, but it's now $5 a month. Um, but for me, it was it's worth it because when I go into that bank, I'm on a first name basis with everybody at the bank, as opposed to when I show up to Bank of America for my other account, uh, personal account, it's like, okay, every time it's swiping, you know, you have to swipe your debit card or give um, give your license. So there is a lot of benefit to having a relationship with a small um, community bank. Uh, there's also a lot of great online savings banks. So actually, I always recommend my clients, you uh, think outside the box, you don't have to have your savings account in the same place as your checking account. So while I pay $5 a month for my business checking account because I wanted to go with a local bank, my savings accounts are actually with an online bank where there's zero minimums and zero fees. Love it. Love it. All right. Good info to have. Now let's talk about uh, different income streams. Uh, There is that saying you need at least, what is it, seven income streams. And I always feel like some income streams are quick money and other income streams take time. Uh, to make to generate that money. So when when starting out, what do you recommend to, for your clients to to start with? Like, do you recommend like an income stream that's quick money? Do you recommend two? That's one's quick and that's the one that you're building. How do you recommend clients? And how when do you know when you just continually add another one? Because if you're trying to add seven at once, that might not be feasible. So talk to us or take us through that. Yes. So the easiest, easiest way to make money where you're not outputting a lot of um, expenses up front is a service business. So like, let's say you're, you've got a great skill or knowledge, figure out a way, could you coach somebody to do similar and build those same skills? Because really coaching is taking more of your time. And, you know, a lot of us can do online Zoom, you know, Zoom coaching calls. So that doesn't take a lot of money. So really, I would say start with one income stream to your point, like get really, really good at delivering one service, make sure that you under, you know how to attract the right customers, make sure that they like going through your process and tweaking that and making sure that you can uh, get consistent sales with that one income. Um, Services tend to be a lot easier than products. You know, I have, I know other business owners where they're having to spend a lot of money on inventory to create their product. And then all of a sudden they're hoping, you know, once they've already put in that money, then they're hoping that somebody buys from them, right? But then all of a sudden they've already spent thousands of dollars. Whereas with coaching, you really don't have to be put out with a lot of money up front to get started. Right, that makes sense. So basically service, some sort of service that you offer and then get really good at it and then you can add on. And and would you agree that once you are at a point that where you can add on, then you can determine, well, maybe your product if it makes sense, you, I think you have to look at what your current that situation is, what your current situation is financially in business. But I think also another thing I, I'm always big on is, especially as business owners, we think the more money we make, it, all our problems will be solved. But 
you're still living paycheck to paycheck, you're still maxing out the credit cards, then there's an issue, you need to get to the root of the problem. The point being here is just really, I believe from what you're saying is just trust your gut and just add one at a time when it just makes sense. Would that be fair to say? Yes, absolutely. In my personal experience, I did my I did coaching as my first initial. And then after that, I was like, okay, I want to create like an entry level product, like something that people can use to find out more about me and then maybe hire me for coaching. So I ended up going with a book. And I think that a lot of people think that a book is like kind of the end all be all, like it's going to you know solve all their money problems. And I will definitely say, you know, doing a book and publishing your own book is very, can be a very, very expensive process. Um, because it's not just writing the book, it's the, you know, the time that maybe you have to not see clients, you know, you, maybe you can't do coaching or give your services, because you're having to spend all that time focused on writing a book and meeting a deadline, which but I ended up having. To, yes. So I've been there and done that as well. I finally, my husband said, Hey, you're spreading yourself too thin. You're not meeting your book deadlines, because you're busy, you know, doing all the other things for coaching. He was like, if you really want to make your book deadline, you're going to have to stop coaching for at least three months. And so that was lost income. Right. So, and I didn't, uh, I didn't account for that. I was like, oh, well, I've got my clients. I'm going to be able to have X amount of clients coming in every month to all of a sudden going to zero dollars, but then having to, you know, but spending that three months focus and getting my book done on time, you know, it did help. But then again, to your point, like it's the making sure you have that cushion set aside so that if you are going to add more things, you may, you know, you may lose out on your current income because you're having to spend time, you know, building a second stream. And to wrap up about income streams, what would you say besides the service, you know, offering a service, would do you have any other favorite types of income streams? My second favorite income stream is affiliate marketing. So if you are a type of person that you're using tools to run your business or you're using things in general to make your life better. If you have a website, being able to share those experiences and tell people why you love something so much. For example, ConvertKit is an email marketing tool that I use to stay in touch with my email list. And I had a, uh, a colleague that said, hey, I'm using this other tool, this email tool, but it's really clunky. I don't know how to use it. Um, it I really want to switch to a new one. What is everybody using? And so I said, hey, I really love ConvertKit. Here's my affiliate link. If you have questions, I can jump on a Zoom call and we I can show it to you. And so because I took, I mean, it literally was a five minute conversation. Like I saw her question, I posted my link. And she purchased, she ended up liking the tool, ended up using it. And I earned like almost $500. Oh, wow. That's Because she paid, she prepaid for a full year. So yes, it was pretty significant. So I got the instant commission off of that. And it took me five minutes, but it was a tool that I personally love and use, right? right. Like I, I think that's the, really I think that's the one about that's, sharing yeah. what you like. I think that that's the biggest key with affiliate marketing is really like being genuine, really look at the tools and things that you're using to grow your business, or maybe just even in your own personal life. And then be able, if you have a website, or even if it's not a website, maybe a lot of people like YouTube or other things, other social media um, platforms. But if you have a way that you can share with people like, Hey, here's the tools that I use here. Here's a quick, you know, four or five minute demo of how I use it to make my life better or my business better. When people see that and they think, Oh, wow, that's going to solve my problem. That tool looks, you know, it's like something I want. You throw your affiliate link in there and then you can earn money and, or, you know, eventually that's passive income, right? Like when you're building, when you're creating those initial blog posts or, you know, videos, that's not, passive at that point, you're spending some time there and upfront telling people about it. But at some point, I mean, I have people that sign, you know, someone just told me this week that they signed up for my convert kit. And she was like, Oh, I signed up for it back in February after you had told me about it in one of your emails. 
So again, that was somewhat passive, right? Like I didn't, I wasn't talking about it consistently, but she finally was at a point that she wanted to use it. And so she clicked purchase. All right. So speaking about passive income, you've kind of defined a little bit. So how would you you differentiate passive income from just regular other income you're making? So a little go into detail a little more. So passive income, I feel like a lot of people feel like that means you don't have to spend any time to earn that money. And so really passive income is the, my definition of it is that you're spending time and effort up front once um, and put building some systems or building, you know, whatever um, you need around that. But then once it's out there in the world that it's able, you're able to generate income while you're sleeping, right? Or maybe over the weekend, somebody might be purchasing because they read a blog post or they read something that you already have on your website. So I consider that passive income versus like say coaching, coaching, you have to be on a phone call or on a Zoom call with a coaching client. And you know, you're basically trading time for money. It's they, they're paying you for X amount of dollars, but you have to be physically present in order to you to honor the fact that you took their money and then you're providing them services. Love it. Love it. Well, Sylvia, this has been absolutely fantastic. I know it's super valuable, especially for you listening at this moment that's maybe considering a small business or has started or maybe is side or you're side hustling away to earn some money. So I hope that you have found this valuable. I know I think it was fantastic. So thank you so much, Sylvia, for your knowledge, your wisdom and for being here today. Great. Thank you so much, Jen, for having me. hope you got out a lot of today's episode, whether you're a small business owner, or maybe you're not, make sure you share this episode with a friend. And if you love this episode, be sure to connect with Sylvia. She's giving you access to her five-day course to help you save time and money in your small business. So go grab that at smifinancialcoaching.com forward slash matters. That is also in today's show notes. Now, being a small business owner forces you to wear many hats, and I hope you take Sylvia's tips into consideration. But don't forget to give the love to your personal finances as well. If you feel like too much is going on with both, make sure you download my free resource, The Daily Dinero Ritual, which will help you hone in and identify what is most important to you at this moment in your life and not have to worry about all the things. You can grab it if you haven't done so already at jenhemphill.com forward slash dinero. Next week, you will get to meet someone who I absolutely adore, Josita Jameson. Remember, I was supposed to do a live event for this podcast. She is the person that I brought on board to help me with the event. Of course, the pandemic and COVID had other plans for this event. Anyways, enough of that. Ella is una persona bien especial y quiero que la conozcas. That is it. Eso es todo. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to spend some time with us. And be sure to check out the show notes at jenhempill.com forward slash 235. Remember that being a reina of your money starts now simply with claiming it. And I believe in you and so should you. If you love this podcast and the, or this episode, I would absolutely love it if you share it with someone you care about. 
take a screenshot and a, or a selfie and tag us in your Instagram stories with her Dinero Matters and share with us what is one thing that you loved about the podcast or this specific episode. And I want to remind you that if you have not followed or subscribed to this podcast on the app that you're listening from, make sure you do so you don't miss anything. Bueno pues, that is everything y nos hablaremos el próximo jueves. Chao.